What's up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into another episode of Bills Talk with Matt Perino and my co-host Ryan Talbot. We have a great episode for you tonight. We had a fun conversation uh, with WIVB Channel 4's Heather Prusak and 13 Wham and Rochester's Jenna Cottrell. We talked about a whole host of different topics and you know it was really great timing because Sean McDermott held his first press conference in a few weeks today and so we we dove into that a bit talked about some of our top takeaways from the hour virtual session that we spent with sean mcdermott training camp uh, is not going to be in rochester for the first time in about 20 years we dove into that a bit as well and also hit on a bunch of other bills topics and 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 also what it's like to cover the bills and, and and be a sports reporter from the female perspective it's something that i've been wanting to really tackle for weeks now ever since we started this podcast and we've really only had men on so it was nice to have a couple uh, of women to share their experience on the bills beat we dove into all of that had some fun had some laughs um, and then we went a little long this one's a little bit longer than most hour and a half i hope you enjoy it uh, some other news uh, we're going to have a new name soon and i told you guys about this at the beginning when we launched the show that you know we had to do it quickly because we were moving fast uh, but we've we've uh, we've landed on a new name and we're going to launch that in, in the coming weeks and we're really excited about it. Uh, so uh, get excited because it it has, you know, I was talking to some Bills fans and, and and different people to kind of brainstorm some ideas and we we landed on a name that I think really will speak to the fan base. So we're excited about it. Uh, without any further ado, this is our interview with Heather Prusak and Jenna Cottrell. Happy Wednesday night, Bills Mafia in the house tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the live edition of Bills Talk with Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. And we are joined tonight. I'm really excited about this show. Um, we are joined tonight by two awesome Bills reporters who I've known for a while. And I got to give a special shout out to Jenna Cottrell from 13 Wham because my respect for her grew a little bit because we spent some time together at a UFC event last year. <laughs> Came out in Rochester, um, covered my, my my true love, my true passion. So uh, shout out to you. Thank you for joining me. And obviously, uh, WIVB's uh, Heather Prusak. Um, it's great to have you guys on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, Ryan is down, what is it now? 45, 50 pounds? 50. 50 wow. pounds. I want yeah. to give him a special shout out. Good for <laughs> you, man. Yeah. That shave job is epic. Your your mile times, you share them every day on Instagram and Facebook story, and they're starting to get dangerously close to mine, so <laughs> chill out there. Well, um, that's bad news for you then. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I reached out to Heather and, and Jenna because, you know, we, I, we're we what, two months into this um, Bill's podcast. We're having a lot of fun. We've had way too many male voices on this thing. I wanted to change things up a little bit uh, and, and get you guys in here. And I think the where I wanted to start is um, how weird this offseason has been. Because, you know, today we had another virtual press conference with Sean McDermott. And it, it was an hour, which, you know, during the season, I mean, as we get these things going, they're usually about 15, 20 minutes, depending on. And, and, but we haven't talked to him in a while. And um, But I wanted to get your... Uh, immediately we'll start with heather um your impressions of what this offseason has been like weird very weird um i think that you know doing these zoom calls you know relying on video chats and zoom calls and things like that it's it's 
scary because it's kind of become the norm, right? I mean, this is how we're interacting with people, even, you know, just now, um, it's kind of become our normal in the media. So um, yeah, definitely weird. Um, you know, I miss seeing the players and miss seeing the coaches. I mean, I miss seeing you guys, um, you know, just having something to do and, um, you know, having a reason to <laughs> look presentable every day, even. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was in a baseball cap and uh, and like a dry fit shirt for McDermott's press conference. Um, so, you know, even just having a reason to look presentable um, every day is is weird not to have that. So um, definitely weird, but it's also nice to have the technology, um, you know, in order to still stay, stay connected and, you know, able to do our jobs. Yeah. 100%. I think weird is like the perfect way to put it because <laughs> this whole, I mean, working from home has been, I'm very thankful. I know I, I'm sure we all are to be able to work and that's been a huge relief, but just the technical difficulties that come with it oh and like the Wi-Fi issues are just <laughs> seemingly next level and not stopping anytime soon. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think as reporters, we love talking to the people we cover. We love getting to, you know, familiarize ourselves with them, building those bonds. And it's been hard not having that opportunity. Um, obviously, there's looking forward to on the horizon. There's the hope of training camp. Obviously, that's going to be in Buffalo. But I think, you know, a lot of people are just looking forward to things kind of settling down and things opening back up and, you know, things getting a little bit more back to what we're more normally used to. Yeah, it's something that I don't think a lot of fans think about. And actually, some of them do because I get hit up all the time about, you know, different aspects of my job and what it's like covering the team. But, you know, I almost feel like what I've come to learn about the springtime is it gives you a, a much more low key environment yeah. to get to know the players and also to get to know the, um, the ritual of the relationship, yeah. if you will. So yeah. uh, we yeah. were talking to Lorenzo Alexander a couple weeks ago, and he and he he said some kind words about like our interactions in the locker room, and you, you kind of figure out who you like talk to. This is a big part of the year where you're able to build those relationships, and so now it's going to mm -hmm. be we're going to get the yeah. training camp, and it's going to be like this mad dash to the season, and we're going to yep. have to try to fit yeah. all this in, and it's going to be craziness. And I think a lot of years you'll ha you'd have a lot of room to tell a lot of different stories, but you're gonna, you're going to have to prioritize now yeah. more than ever. Yeah, it's yeah. so hard because, um, you know, like you said, this is the time where it's a lot less pressure. You know, it's a lot less stressful situation because obviously training camp, you've got guys fighting for roster spots. So mm -hmm. that's very stressful on them. Then during the season, you're uh, they're obviously trying to get ready for the next game. Um, so there's not really a whole lot of time for just the, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, where are you, where are you from? You know, you got kids, blah, 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 things like that. Um the kind of small talk aspect of it is really when this is now when it happens. Um, so I think that that's a huge aspect that you're missing right now. And I think like with the rookies, I feel like this is yeah. the time to really introduce yourself to them and not having that opportunity is challenging for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ryan, what's been the biggest difference for you this off season? Uh, I was just going to say when, with that first question was, I'm listening to McDermott's pressure today and I'm helping my daughter do her ELA homework at the same time. So that's something that I definitely would not have been able to do in the past while my son's running around like a maniac. So it, it's just been bizarre, just very bizarre. Uh, what, 
if, if you're listening, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I see the chat's filling up here a little bit. Uh, my name is Matt Perino. This is Bill's Talk with Matt Perino and my tag team partner, Ryan Talbot. We're joined tonight by WIVB's Heather Prusak in Buffalo and Rochester's 13 Whams. Jenna Cottrell, thank you so much. If you have any questions, we're going to do kind of like a rapid fire style at the end, but you know, we'll discuss certain things throughout the course of the show. And one, one question that pops up here is, do you guys think that we're going to have fans at the games? And it's, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about training camp and the fact that it's going to be at one bills drive and not in Rochester in a little, little while. But as we kind of look to, you know, the horizon and, and, and what this looks like, I mean, my initial impression is I think we're going to have some, type of fan presence at games. I don't know how much, I don't know what this, what that level of safety will be, but I'm encouraged by what's happening, not only in Western New York and Erie County and in uh, New York state, but around the country. Now we, we have some runway now with all of the protests to see what kind of results are going to come out of everybody kind of gathering over the course of the last mm-hmm. week. And if there's any, you know, waves or second and third waves that happen, but I- I'm bullish on them having at least some fan presence. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that there are going to be fans. I don't think that, and I know that, you know, people aren't going to want to hear this, but I don't think to start the season, it's going to be full capacity, like yeah. what we would all want. Um, I do think there's going to be some, you know, trying to abide by social distancing rules. I mean, you just look at all of the big events that have been canceled, you know, into August and even in the early stages of the fall. That's kind of what makes me think that it's not going to be full capacity. But I'm hopeful that as the season goes along, we can get there. Yeah, I first of all don't know why my make is making. Does that sound better? You, uh, it sounds. Hey, I, I don't know why it's doing that. Is it better now? We can hear you. Okay. All right. I thought it was making weird noises. Maybe not. <laughs> no, we got um, you. <laughs> it's just me. Don't worry about it. Um, no, I, I hate to say this, but I, I really do worry that there won't be fans. And I say this only because it just seems like you know, there's, there's so much going on. And as things start to open up, I think there's hope that there will be that aspect. But I just think, you know, I don't know, obviously Bill's Mafia is very passionate, beloved, but I don't know how many people are going to want to expose themselves to going to a game. Cause it's not just going to the game. It's getting into the game. It's waiting in line. It's going to the bathroom, using mm-hmm. the- all of those things that go into it. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, they want to go, but I don't know if this is the best environment for that. I would like mm-hmm. to think there'd be fans. Obviously, what is football without the fans? It's a huge, huge aspect of the game, especially, you know, home field advantage. But at the same point, I'm hesitant to say that there will mm-hmm. be fans and even maybe fans at a certain capacity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess I'm <laughs> setting my expectations yeah. low <laughs> so that can be cleared. And hopefully that that would be the case. There's just so many things up in the air right now. It's hard to even guess at this point, really. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I'm kind of in that same camp where I think in the beginning of the year, I don't think there will be fans. I just think that the Bills and the NFL as a whole, there's only so many things you can control. Mm-hmm. And the Bills can control their own loss. But what about those private loss with tailgating before games too? Yep. And then you're risking the spread of it there. You know, they can have all the entrances open. They can have a limited capacity. 
but they can only control what they can control mm -hmm. in that stadium. So there's there's just so many factors that I, I think in the beginning of the year there may, there may not be any fans in the stands. And also too, it's like if you did open it up, let, let's say they did open it up to full capacity, which I still don't think is going to happen at first. But then it's like then you run into okay, well, are you going to require fans to wear masks at games? You know, yeah. like who who wants to wear a mask at a game when you're screaming and cheering? for you know however many hours on end so it's like you know if that was implemented do fans really want to you know deal with that so there's just so many things up in the air right now yeah and you mentioned that it's you know policing the kind of mandates that are going to be in place is going to add a whole nother element to this so if somebody takes off their masks um mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? Is there going to be an increase in fights? I mean, we already know yeah. uh, that's something that, you know, at a football game, it's a very rambunctious crowd. But I think it's going to be interesting to, to watch how the preseason plays out because I think yeah. they're going to be able to kind of test what this thing looks like without fans and then maybe figure out, okay, let's hit the brakes here because this is not how we want to execute our mm -hmm. season. And let's maybe wait push the season back. I know that they want to get this thing going, but I think the, the NFL has the luxury of kind of playing the waiting game because whenever they're going to come out and play, people are going to watch it. So, I mean, if you had to push back even to start in November, if we're looking at a completely different society at that point and where we are in terms of coronavirus, I think then you have a chance to at least keep the integrity of the game because I, I, I also am concerned about what this, you know, is, is this going to be a season that, in all these sports where there's going to be asterisks put on everything because the, the, the game changes. I mean, crowds are yeah. a big part of, of what happens in an NFL football game. To me, yeah. I think the biggest thing too is, I mean, obviously we all want to see fans there. Fans want to be there. It's a huge part of the game. But to me, I think the biggest thing is being able to start on time and have a full season without it being interrupted. Cause you're already seeing the NBA major league baseball. They've, you know, the NHL, they've had to shorten seasons, make adjustments, postponements, all that stuff. Um, but the NFL has the benefit of because they don't start until, um, you know, August with preseason and then September for the regular season, they have that benefit of, possibly being able to play out a full season without those interruptions. So even if there aren't fans, um, I think that that would be just getting through the season would just, would be huge in itself. Yeah. Uh, switching gears here a little bit. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, you're watching uh, our Wednesday night live podcast, uh, Jenna Cottrell, Heather Prusak, uh, nice enough to join us today for a nice conversation. And we actually have some stuff to talk about, but with Sean McDermott's presser today. But before we get to it, I want to give people a little idea of how you guys arrived at the place that you are at now. Because, you know, I recently connected with uh, Marcel Louis-Jacques from ESPN and we did a podcast on, on, on our careers and how we made it here. And I think that, you know, not only do fans want to know about that, but other people that are coming up in the profession want to know it. So let's start with Jenna. Where, what did you do to kind of build to this point to where that, that landed you uh, at your current job? So, um, like Heather, I went to Syracuse University. Um, I'm a year ahead of Heather in terms of graduating, but um, Heather was smart and she worked at the student TV station. I did not because I was focused on other things, which hindsight, I guess it worked out okay. But, you know, first year out of college, I was like, wow, I probably should have applied myself a little more. But um, 
that happens. But um, no, I, uh, you know, I had internships along the way over the summers. Um, and I think that was huge, definitely. But originally out of college, I got my first job in Elmira, New York, the southern tier of New York. And it was a whole new experience for me. I'd never lived, you know, other than at going to school at Syracuse, you know, in a different city than my parents. And, you know, I moved out and I got to work. It was a small ABC CBS station. And I was originally a sports reporter there. And then when my boss got a job, um, they moved me up to sports director. Uh, and it was just a really great experience. Like I really needed the time to practice because I didn't do that at school. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, it was really helpful because Elmira was so welcoming. You know, I covered so much high school and high school sports. And that to me was huge because, you know, you are directly meeting all these coaches, all these players, talking to the parents, talking to everyone. And I think it kind of allowed me the opportunity to honestly, to make mistakes and to learn from them and to grow from them. And then from there, um, actually the huge event in that area is NASCAR because of Watkins Glen International, the track down there. So I got to cover NASCAR and it was something that I never expected to like had, you know, I never watched it really growing up and it was just, it was an incredible experience. And, you know, I basically felt like it, they were paying me like pennies on the dollar, but it was, it was like free grad school because of the experience that I had. And then from there, um, in 2016, I got hired at 13 Wham in Rochester. And, um, you know, originally I was a sports reporter and then uh, this past year, someone left. So I was moved up to weekend sports anchor. But it's just been really fun. Like I, I really enjoy covering the teams that we get to cover. And I like, especially, I mean, just getting to cover the bills like we do in a smaller market, I think means so much more because it means so much more to the people in the community. So it's just been a really fun ride. And like, I've I mean, I'm sure I feel exactly like you guys. It's it's a really fun job. Obviously, there's challenges, but at the end of the day, we're getting to cover something that means so much to so many people. And it's just, you know, how can you not feel grateful for that? Yeah, so um, as Jenna mentioned, I went to Syracuse. And when I was there, mm -hmm. I was the <laughs> I was Come a sports fan. Oh, wait, sorry. I got to go do something, Matt. See you later. Um, <laughs> I actually have an appointment now. Um, yeah, so I went to Syracuse. I was the sports director of our student-run TV station. And then I also was on the sports staff at WAER Radio, where um, it's an NPR station, but the, the sports department is student-run. Um, they broadcast play-by-play -play all of the men's uh, basketball, lacrosse, and then all the football games. So I was on the staff, did a little bit of sideline reporting, hosted in-game stuff. Um, so it kind of felt like I was in the industry before I was in the industry. Um, the experience was so great because, you know, being sports director, even though it was a student TV station, I mean, I was learning, you know, just even simple things like reaching out to PR people, you know, SIDs of college teams, different things, um, setting, you know, sending in credentials. I mean, now when we talk about it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But when you're a student, like those little things matter when you get into the real world. So just, mm -hmm. you know, things like that, um, you know, traveling to games, covering games, even just, you know, like where to park when you go, you know, navigating your way around arenas and stadiums and, you know, different things like that. So it was it was really cool. Um, I got such great experience there. And then um, when I was in college, I interned with the Bisons because I'm, I'm from here, from 
Buffalo um, from Hamburg. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was home for the summers, I interned with the Bisons. And then I also interned with uh, Channel 2 here in Buffalo. And that was summer going into my senior year of college. And, you know, I kind of just kept in touch with all of the guys, my news director, um, the sports guys. So I graduated in May of 2014. And a couple months later, after applying for basically every single every single job under the sun <laughs> um, in markets that I'm yep. in, in cities that I've never even heard of before. Um, uh, one of my friends had seen that there was a part time. It was called a high school sports content producer at Channel 2. So I reached out, you know, whatever. Um, I, I took the job because I thought, you know, maybe I could just do this while I look for something more permanent. And I lived at home with my dad. <laughs> I was working 30 hours a week. Well, I was getting paid for 30 hours a week. I was pretty much working more than that. Um, <laughs> was part time, wasn't on air. But I figured, you know what, like they know me, they know what my um, you know goals are. So if I can work my way up and show them that I can do these tasks, um, hopefully it'll pay off. So little by little, they kind of let me do more and more. So it was like, I got to do this like minute segment of top three high school plays of the week. So I got to like do that. And then I got to do little features on, you know, some uh, high school players in the area. And then slowly it, it, you know, progressed. And then I got promoted to full time. Um, and then I, you know, got a trial run at anchoring, did like so many practice anchorings, uh, shows up leading up to it. And then eventually I kind of just worked my way up where it was like, became full time. Then I got a contract. Um, and then our weekend anchor left. So then I was promoted to weekend anchor. Um, and then this past April, um, I moved over to channel four. So now I'm, um, I'm with Josh Reed and those guys. And, um, yeah, but yeah, it's not, uh, not so glamorous in the beginning living at home, uh, <laughs> for a couple of years. Um, I think I was still working part-time at American Eagle, um, <laughs> trying to make up the rest of the money. So, um, yeah, yeah, not, not glamorous at all, but here we are. <laughs> what's, what's that like? Because from the outside looking in and obviously Ryan and I are kind of more in print type of type jobs. Like, what's it like to go from one station to the other in the same market? Is it, does it, is there any awkwardness? Um, I mean, honestly, I, at first, 100%, like when I was going through the process um, in March, it was very awkward in the beginning, um, you know, having those conversations that you're leaving and then, you know, keeping things a secret and blah, 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 and whatever. Um, so definitely a little bit of that, but, um, you know, overall, I think a lot of people on both sides have been very supportive. And so I'm thankful for that. Um, obviously, I'll kind of know more of that feeling when we actually start to mm. see people in person, because, you know, right now it's just over Zoom calls and all this. So I haven't really, you know, seen people. Um, but overall, I think a lot of people were very supportive. And I was really thankful for that. Well, we have a lot of really talented people uh, in the TV side of things and on our side of things uh, in the market. And so you really can't go wrong uh, wherever you're at. I mean, Josh Reed is obviously a, a, become a good friend of mine, but uh, Matt Bovet is a good friend of mine and, and Adam uh, does a great job at Channel 2. So we're really lucky to have, I think, I tell people this all the time, that the media community in Buffalo is is really unique in that there's so much talent and there's so much competition but there's also so much respect. Like I, mm -hmm. I, that's one thing that I didn't expect because I was coming from the league side of things with the UFC. So I didn't have to 
really wade into the waters with the media as much. Yeah. And so coming here, one of the things I was like, oh man, like um, everybody was kind of putting on a good face early. And I was like, okay, when, when are the gloves going to come off? And they never really came off. And I was like, okay, this is just how it is. And so I'm like, it's great because like working for the UFC, being at events in New York and LA and seeing how those kind of media dynamics can be, it, it can get really, so like you guys, like, I think it was Jenna that mentioned this earlier, you know, we're really lucky to have these jobs. We're also really lucky to have the uh, group of people that we have. And that's my alarm. We got to give my dog some medicine, but let's get to some bills. <laughs> I'm going to turn my light really quick because... so I don't look like I'm in a cave. Hang oh, yeah, on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go <laughs> so we're going to get into our bills uh, centric uh, okay. uh, part of the show here. And it's funny when we book this interview, I think it was like two weeks ago now. I really was just going to focus it mostly on, you know, career stuff and just kind of catching up. And we didn't really have a lot. We've covered this thing so crazily um, intensely over the last couple months. There really wasn't a lot to talk about, but then mm -hmm. no, no camp uh, in, in Rochester. Mm -hmm. And now Sean's yep. presser today, we have some stuff to dive into. Let's um, let's start with Rochester because I tweeted it out. Um, when the news became official that I'm pretty sad, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be home, um, especially in this time with, you know, the kids being at home and all this kind of stuff to not have to go and spend overnights at Rochester. But I thought that that was a really cool experience to get a chance to not only be around the players and the team every day, but also, you know, get indoctrinated into the culture, the, the our media culture and, and all that kind of stuff. So let's start with you, Jenna reactions what's the temperature in rochester how much sadness and disappointment is there i think there's there's definitely a lot of sadness and i think it starts with the fans considering the fact that training camp is such a great way to literally see like up close and personal some of these guys you know some people can't afford tickets to the game they're expensive or they're in the stands they're not on the field but training camp it's like free if like i don't even know it's it's cheap and so the fact that fans normally could be right up against the guys that they've always wanted to meet, that's definitely disappointing. Now, I don't even know if fans were going to be allowed to be at Fisher. I don't, we, we don't know. But I think it is just sad because, first of all, I I drive an hour and a half usually to, to Buffalo, and Fisher is six minutes away from my house. So <laughs> selfishly, I'm sad that I'm going to be commuting that much. But at the same point, I think I really loved having everything at Fisher because – because the, the the players were away too, and they could, I feel like it was really important to Sean McDermott to have that of the guys, you know, living together and having that bonding experience. And then at the same time too, I think it's just it, it makes me sad because I mean, I love I, I work in Rochester. I work at a Rochester. When I tell the guys, hey, I work at a Rochester, a lot of them are like, I don't know what the hell that like they don't really know because they're not from the area. So I like. I always love being like, hey, okay. I went here. This is this is Rochester. So that was that was definitely disappointing. But I'm hopeful that they'll come back in 2021 and all that. I apologize, Jenna, because John's behind me trying to help my god awful webcam issues. So <laughs> I go from I go from I go from like looking like I'm in a cave without the light on to now I'm like blown out so i apologize that um my <laughs> webcam looks so bad um but and then you know auto comes in um but going off of what jenna said um 
Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing. I mean, so Jenna is, we're the exact opposite. So while Fisher is like six <laughs> minutes from her, my townhouse in Orchard Park is like probably not even five minutes from awesome. uh, the stadium. So um, for selfish reasons for driving, it's better for me. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, kind of like what we're talking about, or Sean was talking about with the players and it building chemistry and camaraderie amongst the team. I think with the media, it does the same thing because, you know, we're all up there. A lot of us um, from Buffalo stay there when we're covering back-to-back -back days or, you know, weeks on end or, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, I know like a lot of the guys go golfing and, you know, we all get dinner and hang out, um, you know, after practices and things like that. So um, from that standpoint, it's disappointing because like that's something that I really enjoyed was just, you know, having that kind of laid back time after practices to hang out and stuff. So true. It's funny. Uh, John texted me after I shouted out all three uh, uh, sports directors here. And he's like, you're going to shout out everybody and not me. I, I had a fun John Scott joke for later in the show. And now I'm not going to say it because just tell you know, him. Just tell them that it's to be like it's not about you. It's, it's not, not about, about you. you. It's not <laughs> about you. You've had your time. Not you, about you. You ruined the lighting situation. And <laughs> it's but he can bring back Otto. Yes, uh, Otto. Yeah. I will. I will make sure Otto comes back. In my defense, <laughs> I did try to use his iPad because it's better quality picture, and for whatever reason, Facebook didn't recognize my password, so I couldn't sign in. So I apologize again uh, for the way that this looks. But no. hey, I'm here. John's my guy, John Scott TV. I'll give him the shout out. Uh, he's been on the show a couple times. I got to say though, it's only been 30 minutes and Heather's always already surpassed all of the elite level that John gained <laughs> over the course of his show. So kudos to you well, there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to see Otto. What more do you need? <laughs> so yeah. So let's move on to Sean McDermott because we're, we're cruising along here and I, there's still a lot I want to get to today. And so I asked all three of you to come up with, you know, your big takeaway and we'll just kind of round table this talk mm -hmm. a little bit about today, because like I said, Sean went for an hour, so he, he really dove into a lot, but Heather, your takeaway, um, why don't you hit yours and we're all kind of, you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, almost kind of going uh, in chronological order, but the thing that stood out to me, just like, you know, in, the you know the country right now and a lot of players and coaches are speaking out about um the racial injustices and the protests that are happening throughout the country in the wake of george floyd's death um and that was that was a big topic with sean today that was something that we um you know reporters asked him about question after question and he spent you know a lengthy time um i think talking about each one of them and i'm really glad that that was um a big topic, not only just throughout the interview as a whole, but like the fact that, you know, those were some of the first things that we were talking about with him because, um, you know, we kind of talk about the whole stick to sports thing. Um, and now is not the time to stick to sports in my opinion. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but, um, there's just so many things happening throughout the country and, um, so many things that need to change in this country. Um, and I think that it was just important to, hear from him, hear how he's addressing it with the team. And just, you know, the fact that he, I think the biggest thing to me and um, was, you know, he said he's really trying to open himself up to the team and to players for them to know that they can come talk to him, but also because he wants to listen and wants to educate himself um, on what's going on. Because just like me, you know, I'm never going to understand what, um, 
you know, what African Americans are going through in this country and what they face and how they feel, I, I'll never understand that pain. And, you know, neither will Sean McDermott or, you know, anyone like that. And um, so for him to come out and say, you know, I'm trying to listen, you know, I am listening. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see, you know, maybe if that evolves into the team doing something more, you know, being active in the community when they get back or, um, you know, taking more steps, you know, I'd like to see maybe what they do um, to actively fight against what's going on in this country right now. But I did think it was very important um, to hear about it. And I actually am trying to maybe talk to some players this week, um, players that would like to speak out. And, you know, because I think it's important also to get their, you know, their thoughts and their messages across, um, you know, the ones that, that feel comfortable talking. Um, because like I said, now is not the time, in my opinion, um, for us just to stick to sports. I could not agree more. And I was I was impressed with McDermott making such a point about it because I think when you actually physically listen to him talking, he's very thoughtful in the manner in which he's speaking. He wants to harp on the fact that he wants to listen. And you, you mentioned that, Heather, of like, my takeaway was he wants to listen, he wants to learn, and he wants to lead. He wants to have the Bills be able to have an environment like that where they can have open conversations, they can learn from one another's experiences. And then he even mentioned the fact that like the photo of you know Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and all the teammates down in Florida, the offense, all being together, like that is a picture that I think resonates, but that can be an example. Obviously, a locker room is so diverse. You think about it, there are different ages, different you know, backgrounds, different means, all of the road to the NFL looks a lot different for everyone. But to have all the guys working together for a common goal, I think that shows a lot. And I just think, you know, I, I, I thought it was important that McDermott and the Bills and the Pagulas all made a statement because that in itself makes a statement. And I think talking about it is you know, there's there, there's talking about it and there's actions, but I think talking about it starts the conversation and it starts those actions. And I think that's an important step. Yeah, I, I agree. Talking about it right now is is the best thing that we can do right now. Um, he, he could have just a statement and that would have been fine. But I think actually coming on with the media and having the chance for him to express his thoughts, and they were very well thought out. He was very careful about what he said. I thought that was great. And, I, and you're right. I love the point where he said, that team photo from, from Florida, that's what America should look like. That's, you know, we should all be united like that. So I, I thought it was important for him to, to uh, speak his mind on that topic, and I thought he did a really nice job. Yeah, there was a video that obviously made waves today that, you know, Drew Brees did an interview and had some, you know, kind of an a take on the, the kneeling and flag situation that I, I think most people probably believe has been – kind of covered at this point. I, I think that, you know, Colin Kaepernick and those that supported him have made the, the stance that was being made. They, they've made it known why that was happening. And I, and obviously mm -hmm. Drew said, you know, I don't want the flag to be uh, you know, disrespected. And, you know, I, I tweeted it out today and, and, and a lot of people, you know, DM me or texted me like, Oh yeah, thanks for talking uh, about this and using your platform. But it's like, I don't necessarily think it's so much about using my platform as it is. I want people to get it right. And I want people to listen. Like you were mentioning with what Sean McDermott said, are we trying to understand what's happening 
on a, on the other side, a mm -hmm. different viewpoint mm -hmm. that, that maybe we have. And I think at times yeah. that's not happening. And to me, what Drew said, I, I think it's just a complete oversight. It's a complete, um, you're taking what a lot of people that, you know, are your teammates. And, and I would imagine at some point in your career called family members, what mm -hmm. they're telling you and saying, and you're kind of just brushing it aside and going back to your own, uh, making it about you. And that's you're making think, your own conclusions. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I think, you know, what Sean said and, and what was expressed in the shot in the Pagula statement is so important and, and just being there for people. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I have friends that are, that are white, that are black, that are, um, you know, all types of different people and colors and races and nationalities. And I want to support all of them. And I want to support people that aren't even my friends because you know what? We're human beings and we just watched a, a man killed a week ago. And I'm yeah. not, this isn't about politics. I'm not yeah. a, poli oh, you'll follow my feed. You'll never see politics on my feed on yeah. Twitter, but this isn't a political thing. This is yeah. a human thing and people are hurting and I want to be there for them in any way that I can be and try to understand what's going on with them. So to your point, I think that the bills did a good job with that. And I think that Sean did a good job with that today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're moving right along. Yeah. I, I like that when we, when we get to a, a, an end of a sentence for me and everybody's kind of just like, yep, I did my I job. I can, well, I, you know, we're just so, like really you like succinct. You got yeah. a minute if that yeah. like, up, you know? I mean, the thing is, the thing is, you know, I could talk, you know, for about any of these topics for, you know, yeah. hours, but I'm like, I know, I understand how this works. We only got so much time, but you know, I, I just, I just, I did want to bring that up um, because that certainly stood out to me. And I, I just, I felt like we had to talk about it. Yeah. Definitely. Sean said on the call today was interesting um, that a lot of the rookies, and if you hear any like Beethoven-esque um, chords in the background, that is my daughter who will not go to sleep for some reason, but she's getting after it. And hopefully Almost she's going to be performing at the Philharmonic sometime in the, you know, in the next few years. Um, but Sean uh, said about the rookie class, like there's even some leader, you know how Sean is, you know, always yeah. developing the next wave of leadership. And he, mm -hmm. and he mentioned about the rookies and some of the leadership qualities they've shown. And that got me thinking like, A, how are they doing that in these virtual settings? And B, I asked them, how is this impacting the rookies? And Ryan, this was one of your big takeaways from the press conference. Yeah, you, you know, Sean McDermott mentioned that the, the rookies are probably going to have an uphill climb in terms of playing time, in terms of expectations for their rookie season. Uh, but but they're slowly stepping up from that leadership standpoint. Uh, but but when I was listening to his words about this rookie class, I was thinking, you know, if, if there's ever a year for uh, the, the rookie class not to have a, a great impact across the league, this is a great year for this because, one, they traded away their first-round pick for Stephon Diggs, a player that – no, he, he's not used to Buffalo's offense, but he's been in the league. It's not going to take him a long time to adjust to this offense. He knows how to play in this league. Uh, and, and then you look at the the other picks and A.J. Epineza. He doesn't have to play as a rookie because you have Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison. You have Trent Murphy, a guy that a lot of people have already written off and, and kind of uh, thought that maybe he wouldn't be here this year. But I think there's a lot of value in bringing him back, especially with the way he finished the year. Zach Moss doesn't have to make a huge contribution uh, with Devin Singletary there. And the list goes on and on. So maybe by the end of this year, maybe the rookie that has the biggest impact is kicker Tyler Bass. Who knows? He still has to beat out Hauschka. Uh, but, but the, you know, his job's pretty 
simple in terms of his, his responsibility, kick the ball through the uprights or on kickoffs. So uh, I just thought that was interesting. I think the Bills are, though, in really good shape with this rookie class in terms of tempering mm-hmm. expectations because they're not in a position where they need those guys to come out and play significant reps. I think that's huge, too, when you think about it. Like, these guys aren't really expected to make an immediate impact, but could you imagine, put yourself as a rookie right now, could you imagine what must be going through their mind? Like, you're trying to, you know, it's a tough transition to the NFL anyways. Your head's spinning. We've been in quarantine. Your workouts haven't looked the same. You're trying to learn a new playbook over Zoom chats. Like, (laughs) I just can't even imagine. So I think, first of all, I thought it was smart of Sean McDermott to kind of temper expectations considering. But at the same point, I think it's because in reality, it's going to be hard for these guys to adjust, knowing that it is going to be an uphill climb in terms of just getting your your head on straight and getting ready for everything. Like these guys haven't had any NFL practices yet. Even even just seeing how much bigger the guys are and just I, I can't imagine when they show up for training camp. Like that's gonna be an oh shit moment in my opinion. It's just like, oh, it got real. <laughs> okay. Well and Jenny, you you just said it um, you know, you know, kind of lowering the expectations internally. You said that that was one of the things that really stood out to you from Sean's presser too. Yeah. I mean, I just, so it's so funny because of course on a zoom chat as is tradition, you know, we're queued up for questions. Reporters are my question always gets taken the question before me. So classic. But, um, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much, but you know, in my head, it's, you know, the bills get so much national love now, you know, ABC East favorites. So many people are talking about the bills, which in itself is, just to see that transition as a reporter covering the team, I'm sure you guys can all agree has mm-hmm. been a lot different over these last you know couple of months. But you know, Sean McDermott doesn't love to preach, "Hey guys, we got this." Like we all know him, he loves that underdog card. So I was curious, you know, how he would react to that. And just I loved his portion of like, "Yeah, you, you don't win games in the off season." And, you know, if he were to win the amount of games that his roster was expected to when he first got here, it would be like two games considering where the roster was in terms of a rebuild. And I just thought it was interesting considering Rex Ryan said the Bills won the offseason. Just about to say that. And then the fact that, you know, Sean McDermott is saying you still got to earn it. And of, of course, Sean McDermott is saying that because it's Sean McDermott. But I did think it was interesting because it's such a different outlook that the national media now has on the team as opposed mm-hmm. to even just a season ago. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very well said. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> I, I think that. We got him. We got him. <laughs> I, I, it, what's funny about the video portion of this, like I think I feel like if you're doing like a podcast like traditionally where maybe you're not looking at each other, like I think it flows better because sometimes I'll be looking at Ryan's face and it'll be like he's sitting there and I'm like, Oh, he's about to pause on this. Like he's gonna jump in on this. And I sit there like okay, uh-huh. he didn't say anything. So I'm gonna jump in here real quick. Uh um, no, it's so true. No, but I think that it's interesting to te- I think that Sean always wants to temper expectations. If you give him yeah. the opportunity to temper expectations, he'll take it because yeah. just the kind of the mentality, you know, everything's earned, you know, one eleventh, one day at a time. Like we've all heard all the cliches, but expectations, rookies or not, is ratcheted up quite a bit right now. Oh yeah, and I think that 
really, no matter what this season looks like and what level of preparation they have, you know, they built this thing. They built this roster and brought in the people that they brought in this offseason so that they could have the kind of continuity to where excuses are no longer really uh, in the mix. And especially when you're talking about Josh Allen and his continuity with Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey and now John Brown and Cole Beasley for a second year, and they're they're obviously going to add in Stefan Diggs. But this is an this is an offense, and I wrote about it in my – um, you know, big questions that are facing the team. What are realistic expectations for this offense and, and the kind of jump? I said, I'm putting the the bar at 25 points a game. And people were like, what? They, they scored 19 and a half a game last year. How can you move it up five points? Well, you know, the top 10 teams in the league, top 10 offensive teams, and we're talking about mostly playoff teams, that's what they were scoring last year. And I think that this offense has been built, if Josh Allen's your guy, with the continuity that's been established, to got to go out there and score that kind of points on a consistent basis. Is that the, is well, that the, go ahead. Well, and not only the continuity, but I mean, how about also the guys that they brought in? I mean, Stefan Diggs, like that's, that's supposed to be his guy. And also too, not, not only is he expected to be such a, a big weapon uh, for Josh Allen. And I also think that that's part of the reason why those workouts in Florida were so important because, you know, during the pandemic, when they can't be face to face, like they would be if this were a normal year during these spring workouts, um, I think that's so important for them to start to build that rapport and that chemistry and to start gelling because they're relying on digs to be his guy this year his go-to guy and and if he's not then he's gonna take a hell of a lot of attention off of guys like john brown and cole beasley and it's gonna open up the offense so much more than what we've seen in past years because they haven't had a guy like that i mean you know there were so many games that i'd be talking to you know our our, our sports staff last year and we're looking at the game matchup and we're like what opposing defensive coordinator is looking at this offense and like shaking in his boots. Like what guy is that guy that's going to make opposing defensive coordinators just, you know, like that. Oh shit moment for them. Like, Oh man, like we got to go against, you know, blank. Like who, what, who was that guy? Now you're building an offense that okay well now oh man we got to go in Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs they've been you know a dynamic duo so far this year like that is what they're hoping and that's really what it, it should be um and then you know you add in um you know the fact that Devin Singletary will have uh, a year under his belt and then you bring in Zach Moss who hopefully can kind of be that one-two punch um and complement each other in the running game uh I, I think that uh you know for this offense I don't think it's unrealistic to to put that bar at your points per game map because if 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 Diggs is going to be that guy and 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 you hopefully too a big part of this too is that he stays healthy um yes. because how many times have we seen a guy come in that we you know thought was going to be a big difference maker and then he gets hurt so you got to hope he stays healthy too but if all goes right um that is that is theoretically and then Josh Allen grows and takes another step that is theoretically what is supposed to happen with this offense this year? Yeah, and I think I think Sean McDermott's a smart guy. Uh, well, again, a little feedback there. Uh, I, I he is the anti-Rex Ryan. You know, you, we've talked about Rex saying we won the offseason, and Sean today saying on you know on paper uh, we haven't won any or maybe it's it's not important what's on paper. It's important with the the results and the production. 
And, and on a weekly basis, I felt like Rex Ryan almost put a bullseye on Buffalo's back when he was the head coach, where he would say something, he'd put his foot in his mouth, so to speak. And, and Sean McDermott doesn't want to do that. He's not going to give Bill Belichick anything in terms of motivation mm-hmm. or Brian Flores or Adam Gase or, or the like. So, you know, he's saying all the right things. I He knows going into the season, though, that, that most of the media, I think a lot of the teams are viewing them as the favorites. He's not going to give them anything other than that. And the national media is heaping all this praise, but you're not going to hear that from Bills themselves. They're not going to hear patting themselves on the back, so to speak. I think for me, like the most exciting part looking at it is like you say the 25 points per game. I just look at that as like the goalpost continues to move back for Josh Allen and this team. And I think that's, you know, how does he do with those expectations moving? Like Stefan Diggs, obviously a huge talent, a guy that's had success in the league. I, not to be Debbie Downer, I get nervous considering, you know, Stefan Diggs has to get the ball. And last year we saw Josh really struggle with the deep ball. So there's things and and not having the time right now to really be in person working with one another. I'm curious how much that will, if it does affect their chemistry and what it looks like on the field. But that being said, like it's been fun to have a team where they start to build pieces and things are coming together. O-line coming back, Josh being back. Now this is his third year. You know, things like that where you're like, wow, this this is building in the process that I think we all expected. Now, will Josh be that guy that we've thought he could be? I think this is the year where I feel like it could be a Mitch Trubisky or like a Lamar Jackson guys who you know they they led their team to the playoffs and then which way did it go obviously Mitch Trubisky no Bills fan wants that but at the same point I think that's why this year like I mean first of all they got to score more than 19 points a game like you're not going to win in this league Mm -hmm. they're scheduled a lot harder this year and let's be real like who doesn't want to see more offense so that's why I think like Heather's point of the continuity too of having Dable back having Josh back like yeah you're you're adding in digs but he's he's got the NFL pedigree but I just think I'm just hoping that this offense is fun. Yeah. And I think there's the pieces there for it to be. They just have to actually come together and work together. And also too, one last point I want to make, and then, you know, we can, we can move on to other topics, Matt, just um, I, the, the mental part of Josh Allen's game, I think was, um, is still such a big factor because you heard him talk about, you know, he kind of almost was, you know, second guessing himself, especially on those deep balls where he would completely overthrow guys. We saw that so many times in games. Um, and he even admitted, you know, uh, that he, he gets nervous about underthrowing it and then having it be intercepted. So, um, you know, I think that the mental part of his game is just as important, just taking that next step mentally and getting over that hurdle too, I think is huge. Yeah, I agree. What this offense is going to look like, even with everything we've seen in 2019 with all these new pieces and nine new starters, it's really tough to predict. And and I actually think that once we get into this, there's going to be some people with some pressure on them. You know, I think Brian Dable is going to have a lot of pressure on him to make sure that all of these pieces fit properly that you know Stefan Diggs is getting the kind of targets that he wants while also keeping John Brown and Cole Beasley happy and oh by the way you have Dawson Knox who you're trying to build into a tight end one that's going to need his targets and, mm-hmm. and and not to mention the fact that you know you could have a situation where Devin Singletary Zach Moss can both be impacts in the passing game so there's a lot of mouths to feed that's a good thing because you now have enough talent to kind of let guys go out there and try to eat but yeah like you guys mentioned like 
there i'm talking about expectations like i think that where you start with what you believe <laughs> dramatic pause keep walking over here come over here look at everybody at home see everybody and say hi do, do your randall face do randall can you do randall oh there's randall who's he is he from monsters inc he's so scary oh randall randall yeah can you say can you say have a good night why don't you go to bed no. Okay, no, he, I love you. I, I can't. I can't do that with Otto because he probably weighs twice as much as your daughter. So. Well, he liked one of the things that you were saying because he came in the room and his his little towel was wagging behind you. Oh, yeah. okay, so he approved. His, he approved. He's in, he's in his bed. He's in his bed next to me. I'll I'll, I'll get him some FaceTime. Yeah, that's um, what, that's what people really want to see. So if you're watching, thank you so much for joining us. Bills uh, Bills Talk Live Wednesday night. The podcast. Jenna Cottrell from uh, Rochester, 13 Wham, WIVB's uh, Heather Prusak. Before we get out of here, we're going to do kind of like a little bit of a lightning round. I have some final questions that I want to fit in for you guys too, but we've already gone an hour. This has been I know. Really I'm easy. sorry I that we've, been, oh, wow. we've, really, we've really gone long on some of these topics. <laughs> no, that's good. I, 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 I Sometimes you get to this, this thing, this part of the show, and you're like, you know, we still got 20 minutes to fill. Cause I like this to be about an hour for the, for the weekly main podcast, but mm -hmm. no, we've, we've been flying by. So if you have any questions, put them in here, I'll try to get them. And, and we have this cool feature where we could put it on the screen. So somebody ask a question. So I can put one question on the screen. Cause I just like doing it. Um, but before we get to those, all right, rapid fire. So answer, and then maybe, you know, a couple sentences, but, but we'll, we'll kind of fly through this favorite bills player you've covered. Heather start. Heather, you want to start? I'll do, I'll say Lorenzo Alexander. Respect, I he is. I know. I know it's a cliche answer, but he is. He's always so respectful to the media. Um, he, you know, said things. He gave thoughtful answers. Um, you know, always willing to talk um, out there in the community. Just, um, I know it's it's cliche and whatever, but just, I mean, he's just such a stand up guy, classy guy. So, Heather, I said I knew it because that's mine too. Like. I <laughs> talk to most media people Lorenzo's great like you said he's thoughtful and he's so patient like he you know you could be under deadline and you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off you go to Lorenzo he will give you a great answer yeah. and he's just really excited for him in his next chapter and I, I know the Bills are gonna definitely miss that leadership that he brought um I would definitely say Lorenzo too <laughs> but just <laughs> not to continue here uh with that with that trend I, I think we could all say lorenzo because let's be honest i mean he was the he was the, like the godfather of the locker room i mean yeah. he, when he you know did his weekly media obligation it was it was appointment uh yeah. uh listening everybody <laughs> yeah. kind of made their way over to lorenzo talking if if a camera you know kind of popped their face their camera in front of lorenzo all of a sudden you would see all these little reporters scurrying over because you yep. don't want to miss what lorenzo's going to yeah. say but yeah. I will say a guy that really surprised me last year and listen, a little bias here. He's a huge MMA guy. We connected on that, but John Feliciano. Oh, yeah. I yeah. really love every time you go talk to him. He's super real with, mm -hmm. you know, his, what he tells you, like, you know, every time I talked to him, I felt like there wasn't any like, um, you know, coach speak or, Fake, you know, fakeness. yeah, just everything was super real. And I think that, you can do that. And there was no story last year that John Feliciano came out with 
or that was associated where it was something that, you know, the bills probably didn't like you can, you can be like that. And I know that Sean has built a culture and it's interesting. I think as we move along in the culture, a lot of people will get a lot more leeway. I think you'll see Josh maybe start to grow in a lot of his interviews because they're learning. I mean, a lot of these guys are super young. This team has been super young for, for the last two years. And I think that, you know, guys like John Feliciano, Sean mentioned them in the call today. They're, they have that kind of impact. And I think that those are fun guys to have in the room. Uh, a young guy that I'm a big fan of too, who's on the podcast, Tommy Sweeney. Um, he's, he's always fun. a great, I feel bad for him because we're always just where we sit. We're just kind of thrown as a group at him and yeah. Aaron Johnson and Kirk Coleman last year. Yeah. So um, that's where I'll be. Um, I have a question. Who do you guys think you mentioned like Tommy and John Feliciano? Who do you guys think that this year will be a guy that, you know, you might gravitate toward talking to or the guy that kind of will fill that Lorenzo Alexander type of media role. Um, I mean, I'll say, you know, I honestly, and he kind of did it last year and, you know, uh, the year before, but I think Micah Hyde's still going to continue to be a guy really? like that. Yep. I am, I just, am I, am I just like, <laughs> I, <wanna care>? <laughs> I feel uh, like I, Micah would give the answer. Like he would, when I say challenge, I mean like in a good way. He'd be like, yeah. "Well, what's your question?" Like he, yeah. he wants what you do to you have mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And I think yep. he would also give you. Also, Lee Smith is very funny in terms of just some of the stuff he would say as like the grizzled veteran. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I was just curious what you guys. My, for, my oh, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Well, I just say for the newer guys coming in, I think Zach Moss is going to be interesting. He's already made some sound bites with the the making business decisions for defenders uh, i could see him being an interesting guy in the locker room and then i'm, I'm going to jump back real quick to that previous question before i was with new york upstate or even scout.com i was writing for all these little smaller sites where really there was no uh way to get into the locker room or anything like that and one player who always went above and beyond was arthur moat so i'm going to give a little shout really? out to arthur nice. moat he always would get back to me and help me with things so yeah nice very nice. cool um, I forgot who, um, oh, my, my, who I think is going to take the Lorenzo mantle as the, as the must get to interview is Cole Beasley. Every time I talk to him, he gives me something every single time. Really? And he's another guy that's super real. And I, I think, I think we talked towards the end of the season and I, and, and we had just developed like, I, I could kind of read him when he wants to talk and when he doesn't, that's a big part of our, our yes. job. Like if you catch somebody, like that's one thing in my first year on the beat, I, I think I caught a lot of people at the wrong time. I remember an instance with Zay Jones where I just walked into just a not a good moment to talk to Zay Jones. And you you learn to read those moments yeah. over the course of you, your time. You know when they want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh. <laughs> all right. So we got that. Um, this is for um, all of us, but Heather and Jenna, advice for young female journalists looking to cover sports because – I think a lot of times like trying to, you know, break into this business period is, is daunting. But at times I think for women without the, the proper, you know, mentors to kind of guide them through this process, mm -hmm. it can be tough. So what would be, if somebody came to you and said, how do I get to where you are? What advice would you give them? You want to start first, John? Uh, yeah, sure. I think don't get discouraged. Like, I think that's a huge portion of it is just, especially, I know, like, for me in college, like, Heather was a badass. She was out there doing stuff with Citrus TV, like I said. I was too scared to do that. 
I was afraid of failing and like looking bad, but I think people also have to understand that like, you're not, some people are talented at this. Absolutely. But just because they're talented doesn't mean they're good. You have to work at it too. And I think that was something that was really important. It's just practice. How important practice is, how important it is to find people that you think are good and pick apart what makes them good. Why do I like them? Maybe reach out to them. Just analyze yourself, your work, but also know that just because you're here now doesn't mean you can't get to someplace else. And I think that was really important for me to learn is just, you know, yeah, it's not always going to be perfect, but I have a voice and there's a reason why I want to do what I want to do. And I think along the way, my voice has gotten stronger because of practice and of, of learning and of growing. And I think just, it's really easy to be super hard on yourself, especially in this business. Cause you're so exposed. And, you know, as a woman, you're going to get comments, unfortunately about the way you look or the way you dress, or why do you want to talk about sports or all of those things. But if you just stay true to your course and say, I can do this, then, and you keep working and you keep learning, then I think that there's absolutely a career path for any woman and any journalist, really. Yeah, I agree with everything Jenna said. I think, um, you know, especially as a woman, Jenna just touched on it, the comments that we'll get that, you know, men don't have to necessarily deal with. Um, I think that some of my advice for young women wanting to break into the industry is um, it's easier said than done, but the quicker you can develop a thick skin, the yeah. better you're going to be. And it's something that I struggle with, Jenna, I'm sure that it's, oh, you know, stuff yeah. that you, yeah. you know, you know, we're still learning how to deal with, but um, I think that the, the quicker you can um, shrug mm -hmm. some of the pettiness off um, and, and kind of ignore it. Well, I don't want to say ignore it because there are times, I think you got to have to pick and choose your spots when to speak out about certain things, because, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, you know, maybe get a comment and I'll quote tweet it because I want to make a point and people are like, well, just ignore the trolls. It's like, well, like there's a time and a place to, um, to say something and to speak out. And if it's something petty or stupid, yeah, sure. Ignore it or just block them. But, um, I do think that there are certain times to kind of, you know, like what we were talking about, um, you know, earlier, um, to speak out and educate people. So I think developing a thick skin, I think networking, um, for women, young women is great. Um, and I also think too, for young women is, um, you know, not to get caught up in comparing yourself to other women, because I do it so much where I get so self-conscious and I'm like, well, this person is, you know, this age and they're only a year older than me. And they're at, you know, this regional network and this woman's only two years older than me and I'm going to be that age soon. And I'm here and I'm there and blah, blah, blah. And um, I think, you know, not comparing yourself to people um, and not getting jealous, but rather instead of getting jealous, you know, channeling that to learn from those people. Um, yeah. And so I think that, and also just don't be intimidated um, by the men around you because it can be very intimidating um, being in a you know male-dominated industry and walking into a room full of pretty much you know men reporters. Um, <laughs> yes, it can be very intimidating, um, but don't be intimidated and just you know wear your uh, your confidence as a badge of honor. That's what I'll say. And and jumping off one of the Heather's points that I think is. I mean, all of them obviously apply. I just think like, especially because there's such few women in the industry, I feel like it's inherent that you do compare yourself to others. And I think the biggest lesson that I've ever learned and something I honestly have to remind myself very much on the daily is like, 
you are running your own race. Like there are factors going on in your life. Like I was so sad when I got sick because I was like, like career wise, that's going to set me back. You know, I was like, I was so bummed. And then I realized like, that's, that's just the way it's going to be for me. For those people that don't know what, what were you sick with? Oh, I, so I had stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had, I had cancer. I'm in remission now. All good. All set. Thank you. Thank you. But you know, it's so like Heather, it's so easy to compare yourself to others. And it's just blocking that out and being like, okay, you know what? I can, I can, it's, it's a long race. You know what I mean? Like it's just because someone's there faster than you doesn't mean they're going to stay there and doesn't mean you can't catch up and blow by and all of that stuff. And it doesn't mean they're happy. You know, so, also yeah. that. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's so hard, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yep. But Heather, you kind of already, uh, touched upon it, but does it ever feel like it's a boys club in football media land? And then has that ever led to any negative experiences? Uh, yeah, it, for sure. It, it for <laughs> sure. It definitely, it definitely does. I mean, even like, even something as simple as like earlier today, um, somebody that I follow, um, tweeted like, Oh, I missed Sean McDermott's presser today. Anybody know, like any, any media write about some stuff that I can look at. And then like this guy replied and was like, Oh, just go to any of the guys, uh, timeline, any of the, any guy that covers the team's timelines or something. And it's like, women cover the, like we cover the team too. It's just like little things like that. Um, that is like, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. And, um, and also too, like, it's, it's tough too. And I've said this before, it's tough too, as a woman to, um, you know, when you're trying to build relationships with these players and these male players and coaches, and you're trying, you know, you're being professional, you're trying to get to know them, you're trying to build sources and find out information. It's so hard because anything you do or say could possibly be construed and, um, you know, twisted. And so it's like, it's hard because you're trying to build sources in a relationship while also making sure that they don't take something the wrong way or think, Oh, you're being overly friendly and blah, blah, blah. And so um, that's yeah. another challenge. So that's another way where, you know, the boys club, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard that way too. So yes, long answer, you know, yeah, yeah. yes, it, it does feel like a boys club sometimes. Yes. It's so true. And like, it's a very fine line, obviously. It's not, no, it's not a fine line. It's not, it's just being friendly as a human being and people yeah. like, being, like being reading way too far into it, which that's always tricky to navigate. But I will say, I personally feel like the most it's a boys club is I feel like the media room in general has like shifted. There's more women now, which obviously yeah. love to see that. Yeah. I feel like on the sidelines, that is the ultimate boys club. Like I know Heather and I will use our video cameras. We'll shoot the game sometimes. And I can't tell you how many times someone has looked at me and be like, are you shooting the game? Camera like, girl. No. Camera yeah. girl. Camera girl. Camera girl. Put me on I'm TV. Camera girl. I'm not. Like what the? But I will say <laughs> it, it's, it's a situation where I've had someone literally like not one person, but multiple people be like, wait, you're, you're shooting the game. It's like, yes. Yeah. Is, this, is that it? Would you like me to spell it out for you? I can but I, write I, it. I love that though. Like I lo- I'm like, yeah. And I bet you my stuff's going to look better than you. Like in my head, that- <laughs> <laughs> it really does though. Cause it's like, yeah. guess what? Yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm not leaving. Like, yeah. I'm Hi. Leave Hello. 
Even when they're, you get truck stick on the sidelines, you're not yeah, leaving. Yeah. That. If, that, that was, that was, that if, that, if that doesn't get you to leave, I don't know what would. <laughs> My mom called and she was like, you need to, you need to go. Um, but, no, I think um, a lot of times too, like, so Mike Catalana is my boss and there's times where I will be his camera person mm-hmm. and people think that's insane like they'll we'll be out and they'll be like no no no, you guys need to switch or they'll like make funny jokes about it but um you know for our job like we're expected to do everything we report we shoot we anchor we edit we all of all of the above and like i don't know i i love that like doubt me i dare you yeah yeah i think that fuels me and i think it it has to fuel the other women in this industry it has to yeah i mean that's that's what makes it you know, I want to, I, there's people that come up to me and I know that they're trying to be genuine when they say, Hey, you are my favorite female sports anchor or reporter. How and about your favorite? That's the thing. And I will, I'll, I want to be respectful and I will say, thank you. I appreciate that. And then I will follow up and ask, why can't I be your favorite sports Just anchor? In, in and the look on a lot of their faces is they don't even realize like what they're saying. They, yeah, they it's, it's just, it's two different. Okay, you're a guy, you're a girl. Yeah, so, you know, you it's can't. things. It's things that people think are compliments, but they're actually not. Or like, so like you would never hear someone say, "You're my favorite male sports reporter in the market." Like you would never yeah. hear somebody say that. Or like when people, what irks me too is when people say, "You do such a good job. You actually know what you're talking about." <laughs> yeah. Wait, you you yeah. mean I'm actually qualified to do my job? Thank you so much for saying yeah. that. Like, so yeah, it's stuff that people don't understand how they're coming across and um, they think it's a compliment, but it's not. So just trying to educate y'all out yeah. there. And I think it's like important to be like, while I appreciate what you're trying to say at the same point, it's imp- like, you got to question it. Cause you're like, well, why, yeah. why, why yeah. is that the case? Yeah. And I think I will say like, Heather and I are not pioneers. Like there are so many women that have come before us, but I think the fact that, you know, there's so many women in sports is amazing, but obviously it proves our experiences on the day to day that like things need to grow. And I'm, I'm hopeful that that will be the case, but it's just, um, yeah, there, there's, the job is different for a female reporter than it is for a male. Absolutely. Like I'm proud of myself for where I've, what I've gone through and what I've, where I've arrived at. Right. But then I, you, you listen to that and you really listen to it and you realize that there's so many little things that I didn't have to deal with on the come up. You know what I mean? There, there were tons of things like you mentioned, like, you know, being kind of self-conscious about your looks. Like, you know, I used to have a, a, a UFC show and uh, I, my teeth were not the best before I had braces. And I actually literally got braces during my time at the UFC and I had it when I first came to the thing. And now, you know, my teeth are, are pretty straight, but that was a self-conscious issue. And that's just like scratching the surface of what you're talking about, what you have to deal with, where you're, where you're feeling where there's the potential to feel inadequate. And what I think is so cool about everything that you just said and the experiences that you've had is that, you know, all that happened and you're still here growing and improving and moving up in the world and we're not going anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, as someone with a very, um, empowering wife and a daughter now that we're raising, like it, it's, 
I'm very passionate about seeing that because I want to live in a world where my daughter has those kind of opportunities and feels empowered herself to go out there and chase whatever it is she wants to do. Because guess what? It might be all guys that play NFL football, but this is a sport that I think needs as many different viewpoints and ideas brought to the table because it's so it, we talk about this 365. If you just heard me and Ryan, who, by the way, I have to say his bald head is right next to the NY up logo. They're (laughs) they're contrasting each other so perfectly. But if you just heard us too, all year long, 365, how boring would life be? So I just want to say thank you for what you bring to the beat because it's significant. And if you're not following Jenna and Heather, and Jenna uh, over at Channel 7. And yes. so I'm going to leave people out. Uh, Maddie Glab, who's now with the Bills. There's so many you know, female reporters that are bringing something significant to the table. Get with it. Get with the times. Yeah. I 2020. I think 2020. I think people are. Like, I think people starting to realize, starting to wake up. That's at least my hope. Mm-hmm. Same. I, I have just absolutely destroyed your Wednesday night. We're hour and 20 into this thing. Oh yeah. Because, because we've got so much going on. Where am I going? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's so, true. Sorry. I've got, you know, I've got three appointments lined up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we go, why don't you guys let everybody know where they can find you on social media, the best place to find you. And I know um, I forgot to do it at the beginning of the show, but definitely want to check out uh, 13 whams, uh, Buffalo, Plus, plus com. There you go. Yeah. They got a podcast. Dan Fates, Mike Catalana, Jenna uh, Cottrell. I'm, yeah. I, I'm thinking Jenna Caleri now because I just said the her name a second ago. But <laughs> go check that out. And why don't you guys both tell everybody, you know, what's coming up and where they can find you. Perfect. Heather, you want to start? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I can follow me on Twitter at H-A-Prusak, A-J-P-R-U-S-A-K. That's my Twitter. Um, I'm at Facebook, my professional Facebook, um, facebook.com slash Heather Prusak, and then the number four. Um, that's where I put, you know, that's where I do all my professional stuff. Updated. Um, on Facebook, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, um, you know, I'm on Instagram too. Same thing as my Twitter at H-A-Prusak. That's more uh, fun stuff, but you know, I, I I post you know professional things too. But that's more the fun side um, of my life. A lot of, a lot of my dog dog pictures. So if you're looking at the looking for the lighter side of me, that's where a lot of my stuff on Instagram is. Um, but we've got you know tons of content on wivb.com/sports. Um, tons of stuff that we posted today from you know the pressers, and you know we've even got um, you know a lot of saber stuff from last week as they wrapped up the season. So um, lots of good stuff there. Um, you know, always love to chat. So if you guys want to interact there, I'm there. Yeah. Um, I, I'm super original in my Twitter handle. It's at Jenna Cottrell. Um, <laughs> that's also my Instagram handle, uh, J E N N A C O T T R E L L. Um, yeah. So I work at channel 13. You can check out 13 wham.com. Um, you can also check out buffaloplus.com. It's our new website. And then also we do have a YouTube page, Buffalo plus. Um, make sure to look that up. It's Mike Catalana, Dan Fates and myself. And we kind of do, uh, I don't know. We just, we talk about the bills. We kind of do what you guys do of just like our insight on the team. Where do we think things are going? Um, coming up later on, we've been talking to some of the college coordinators for the rookies, uh, Zach Moss. It's actually really interesting. Zach Moss's running backs coach at Utah compared him 
to a former bill. How is that for a tease? Um, Ooh, so if you want to check nice. that out and then, um, yeah, we, I know like Heather and I, we just appreciate you guys and thanks for having our perspective on, because I think, um, I think it's a cool conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate it. You know, getting the word out there about what we do and just, um, you know, our, yeah, our perspective on things. So thanks. I think we could have done uh, two episodes, one with each of you, because we have <laughs> so much to talk about. Um, this will be uh, one of, I hope, many uh, appearances on the podcast. And actually, speaking of teases, Ooh. the podcast is going to be changing names. And when we Ooh. launched this thing, we launched it super aggressively and quickly because of the quarantine. I had planned to, to roll it out like kind of slow play it towards training camp. But with what was going on, we wanted to launch it now. Uh, and so we just came up with a pretty generic name, obviously, but we have a new name. And Mr. Tablet's name is also in there. Like I've Woo! been telling you, we've been working on <laughs> and it's, uh, we're really excited. I think the name encapsulates the fan base. Um, I'll have like a little uh, promo coming out on it uh, soon. Uh, but stay tuned for that. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Everybody joining us in the chat tonight. You guys were great. Uh, find us on all of your uh, podcast networks, Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify. Bill's talk with Matt Perino for now, but stay tuned. We're changing <laughs> pretty soon. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Everybody have a great night. Bye. Thank, thank you. you.